Hey everyone, welcome to Ask Shane Anything, where everything is on the board. You can ask me about anything that you want. This show is a reward for those who pledge $7 or more per month, and without those people, this show wouldn't happen. So thank you very much. Uh, if you do pledge at that amount or higher, you do get precedent in asking questions for the show. Let's get straight to it. We got some fun ones this time. Question number one comes from Sifted from Justin. Do you have any weaknesses when it comes to food? Like you just can't resist something that you know you probably shouldn't eat. For example, I just can't resist ordering the hottest, gut-meltingest hot wings whenever they're an option, and I always pay for it the following couple of days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, wings do not do that to me. I did tell a story on Game Face this week, though, about uh, the cereal Oops, that <laughs> they're all berries, which is like, Captain Crunch, Crunch Berries, but just the Crunch Berries, a whole box full of them, and they did not agree with me. Um, as far as a food that I love that I pay the price for eating, it's deviled eggs. I love deviled eggs. They are so delicious. And my wife makes the best deviled eggs, and she knows I love them, so she will like make like six of them or whatever and put them in the fridge, but I can only eat one per day because if I eat more than one per day, like you after eating hot wings, I am not in good shape for the next couple days. Uh, so I have to ration them, but I really love them. Uh, I've said many times that I'm a cereal connoisseur. I love cereal. Uh, so I eat cereal in the morning. I eat like a healthy cereal in the morning, uh, something that's not sugary. And then instead of like having dessert after dinner, I eat a bowl of like sweet cereal, like Cap'n Crunch or Apple Jack or whatever. Um, and the problem is, is that I've been, I eat that bowl of cereal really late, right before I go to bed. And so I know that's like terrible for my heart. I know it's terrible for my weight. Uh, the way it works though, is it like, I, I stop working, I eat dinner, then I go back to working for a little bit, and then I come back and eat the bowl of cereal. So I need to change my schedule. I shouldn't be eating right before I go to sleep. It's really, really bad for me, and I know that. Um, I also love hot wings, by the way. I have loved hot wings for ever since they were invented, in all honesty. Um, I, I'm not like crazy, like spicy food guy. Like I don't eat spicy food to say I ate it. Like you'll never see me doing like some crazy pepper challenge or anything like that, because it's just not enjoyable. I enjoy the flavor from spicy food and peppers. So I've been hot wing chasing for a long time, but there's a certain point where it just gets like absurd um, and it's just hot for the sake of being hot for like bragging rights to say that you did it. Um, I'm not like that, I don't care about that crap. I just like the flavor that I get from spice. Next up from Sifted from Murat Malto Yilmaz. Just wondering how Marcus Beer is doing. Is he still in the gaming business? I get this question from people on YouTube all the time. <laughs> uh, some people just ask that question instead of leaving a comment in our videos, hoping that maybe we'll respond and we'll let them know what's happening. Uh, Marcus is still working in the games industry. In fact, he and Tal Blevins from IGN, and I think Steve Butts from IGN, formed a consulting company where they, they basically do mock reviews. Uh, they get code from the game early, they review it, and they send their review to the publisher. And then conceivably, the publisher makes changes or tweaks to the game based upon the feedback. I don't know how often that actually happens, but uh, they do have a, like a consulting firm they've been running now for a couple years. Um, so I think they should be doing okay if they've stayed in business all this time. But yeah, it's uh, so Tao from IGN, Steve Buss from IGN, and Marcus uh, are in that. But otherwise, no, like Marcus doesn't do podcasts or go on shows. 
He did the 100th episode of Pactor Factor with us, which I appreciate very much. But he honestly hasn't done anything since. And as you know, Pactor Factor is now up to like 200 and whatever. You know, if we had actually kept the numeric instead of going with the seasonal format that we just changed for this year. So um, it's been a while since he's done anything. Like he's just, he just burnt out. Like he doesn't care. <laughs> like, I think you can see that on Game Face. I think even at that point he was burnt out already and he just didn't have the guts to admit it, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and so obviously he worked with us for like a month and then left, which sucked because we had promoted Game Face as being Marcus and I, the return of the Invisible Walls guys, and it literally lasted like three weeks or four weeks. Or actually it was longer than that, but he bailed before the site launched and like right before E3. I'm sure you guys, the veterans of Sifted remember all that stuff. So I think he had just lost the fire to do it. He didn't care anymore. I think like a lot of people who get up around our age, you just get really sick of dealing with fanboys. I mean, that's really the truth of it. Like I'm sick of it. I can't deal with it anymore. Um, it's, it's really kind of come back out of the woodwork over the last like couple months. Um, and even people that have done a good job of putting a straight face on for the last few years, their slip has been showing over the last couple months. And I've been dealing with these kind of folks for literally 20 some years. So I'm really good at spotting fanboyism. Um, and it's been, it's had a resurgence here over the last couple months, which is understandable. We have new consoles coming out. And I just think he's sick of it. Like he just doesn't want to deal with it anymore. Um, he's tired of com people complaining and, and I, you know, I think everyone at a certain point in their life gets sick of that too. Um, and so he's just happy doing his consulting thing. He's happily married. Uh, his wife's awesome. Um, his health issues seem to be behind him most importantly. If you remember, he had a heart attack, a massive heart attack not long ago. And uh, he had some struggles with that for a while, like trying to figure out the right exercise and the medication and all that. But I believe he's doing like really well now. So. Overall, Marcus is doing good. If your question is, is Marcus okay? Yeah, he's doing great. Um, is he ever gonna come back and do stuff like this? Probably not. Next up, we have a question from long-term sifter, Major Tom. What's up, man? Do you see the market for independent game development starting to consolidate like it has among large third-party publishers and first-party platform holders? Do you see any companies that could possibly fill the market gap Bethesda may leave behind? Okay, for starters, I don't understand the correlation between your kind of two questions. Or maybe you're just trying to slide two questions into one. Um, the first part is, do I see indie developers consolidating under like a big umbrella? No, <laughs> because then they wouldn't be indie developers. I mean, that's the whole concept behind indie development and working at an indie studio is that you do your own thing so you can be creative. Uh, you don't have sort of an overlord looking over your shoulder. So. To me, it would completely defeat the purpose of indie games in general if they were all to fall under one umbrella. Now, I think if there was one publisher that could pull off something like that, it's probably Devolver. But Devolver has created an identity for itself. Uh, their games are typically edgy or unique. Um, every time I get a new Devolver game through my Sift, I watch the trailer because you just never know. It could be something really, really cool. So. Devolver would be, I think, the company that would do it, but even Devolver, they're cool. Like, I, they get it. I don't think they would never do that. So I, the one thing I like about the indie scene is that the people are in it because they want to be in it. You've seen a lot of developers leave big studios to go work on indie projects because they like the freedom uh, and the control that they get in that environment. So no, I don't see anything like that happening. You, the reason this is happening in the, the big budget game space is for comp competitive purposes. 
um, these platform holders are buying up studios so that they make exclusive games for them. That's not going to happen with an indie studio. And it would not really, in most cases, behoove an indie studio to do an exclusive with a platform holder. Um, especially when you get that Switch out there. Because <laughs> it's really looking like the Switch is where most indie developers make all their cash. So anyway, I don't see that happening. Um, and then your second question, do you see any companies that could possibly fill the market gap Bethesda may leave behind? Um, as far as a publisher, kind of filling in the gap left on PlayStation 5 from things like The Elder Scrolls and Starfield. No, I mean, all the publishers are pretty well established at this point. I think people know what to expect from each one of them. I don't see a publisher just suddenly deciding to invest a significantly bigger chunk of money of their budget to development to try to fill the hole left by Bethesda. Uh, it just, it doesn't add up. Uh, so I don't think there's going to be any change. Uh, maybe you'll see some developers start to create games that are Bethesda-like. Um, I don't think they'll create more games, but maybe some of the games that they do create will be more like The Elder Scrolls or Starfield because there is kind of that gap there. But otherwise, um, I just think it's one of those things that Bethesda's games are going to be played on Xbox consoles and PC going forward, and I don't think it's going to affect much of anything else. All right, our last question for this episode comes from Sifted from SJD Swanland. A customer of mine really likes the Vegas Golden Knights because of how well they are doing for a new franchise. I brought this up to my brother who knows a lot more about sports than me and he said it was because of what the rules of the 2017 expansion draft entailed. He felt new teams should struggle for a few years as underdogs, but this way they were made competitive. I was hoping to get your take on the situation too. Thanks. Wow, a hockey question. I think that might be the first one in Ask Shane Anything ever. Um, I've brought up hockey players. I think somebody asked me like, my favorite athlete or something. I mentioned Mario Lemieux, I think. Um, but otherwise, you guys never ask me about hockey, and I love hockey. I don't wear the Steelers hat right now, but honestly, hockey is probably my favorite sport. Like, I think I even like it more than the NFL. It's close. Um, so anyway, thanks for asking a question about something that I really love. And my take on the expansion draft is it was bullcrap. Um, the Penguins, so the way the expansion drafts work in the NHL, a new team is coming into the league. Well, they need players, so what do you do? Um, how it used to work was they just go into the draft and they draft their players. Now what they do is they allow the expansion team to pick a set number of players from each other team in the league. Um, so I think you're allowed to take up to one defenseman, one winger, and one goalie from each team. Uh, and what happened with the last draft with the Vegas Golden Knights is that they ended up taking Marc-Andre Fleury, who is the Penguins goalie for two Stanley Cups and a huge hero in Pittsburgh. Um, and there was nothing Pittsburgh could do about it. You can protect one goalie. And they had a young player named, named Matt Murray who had just won a cup and he was way cheaper. So they're like, all right, well, we're gonna protect him and we'll see. And sure enough, they took Flurry. So the same thing is gonna happen. There's a new Seattle hockey team that starts playing next year. And so the upcoming draft or the expansion draft is gonna be the same thing. Uh, teams are gonna be able to protect set number of players, but the rest of them are gonna be able to be taken by the Seattle Kraken, which is the name of the new team, which is growing on me a little bit. Generally, I don't like fictional animals for mascots. But anyway, um, so it's crap. It sucks. Uh, the Penguins got burned really bad by it the last time, and the Vegas Golden Knights literally like were cup contenders right from the first season. Now, that took a lot of things landing the right way. They did a good job with picking the players. They hired the right coach. They ran the right system. There's a lot that goes into it, but still that never would have happened with old expansion teams. So 
I guess on the flip side, if you live in Seattle or the Pacific Northwest and you've been waiting for an NHL team all this time uh, and you're gonna be a Seattle Kraken fan, you're gonna get hooked up. You're not gonna be crappy right out of the gate, which in some ways I can understand would be a good thing for the NHL. All right, that's it for Ask Shane Anything. Thanks again for asking a question about hockey. Uh, I love talking about my other interests as well as gaming, but of course, gaming always makes up the bulk of this show. I wanna thank everyone who pledges anything at Sifted, but especially the people who are pledging at $7 or more per month. It allows us to do this show. I love doing this show. Um, I love connecting with you guys directly in kind of a more intimate setting uh, where there's not a TriCaster, TD, and Matt, and all this other kind of stuff going on at the same time. So I love doing this show. Thanks for supporting it. We'll see you next week.